and welcome to episode 27 of Three Course Politics Podcast. I'm Josh. And I'm Hills. And today uh, for your podcast, we have quite the episode for you, don't we, Hills? We have, a, we have a good episode for you. We've been away for a couple of weeks, and we have a lot to catch up on. A lot to catch up on. So for the appetizer, we're going to do a Polapalooza. So we got a bunch of high-quality polls this past week. We're going to look at them, break them down. What do they mean for the 2020 election? For the entree, we're going to do something a little different. It is now ad season in these political campaigns, and the Biden campaign, the Trump campaign, and some third-party campaigns are uh, releasing different ads for or against uh, Biden or Trump. So we're going to look at a couple of those ads, break them down, what do they mean, and what's good about them, what is not so good. For your life under lockdown, there is a show on Netflix called Space Force. So the life under lockdown section is going to be what ridiculous force would you create if you were president? And your dessert, we're going to have a little Tulsa rally recap. So lots to cover, Hills. Lots to cover. Can I can I tell you the difference between a polar palooza and a polar coaster? Yes, please do. So the polar coaster, you know, a lot of segments are called roller coaster, polar coaster, like poles go up and down. Well, the polar palooza is different because you're having like a big party. Uh, because all the polls are great <laughs> right now. There's no ups and downs. It's only up, and we're going to celebrate that, right? <laughs> that's right. That's, a that's palooza is a big party because all the polls look great. Uh, but we, we will get into that. Before the Palooza, though, have you subscribed? Please do so now. It will help get you the episodes as soon as they are published. All you have to do is go to our podcast, wherever you are listening, and click the subscribe button. If you want to go one step further and rate us and be honest, it will really help spread the word about Three Course Politics Podcasts. Without any further ado, uh, we're going to get with your pre-dinner shot, which is coming up next. Your pre-dinner shot today. This is a fun one. All right. So Trump had a rally in Tulsa a couple of weeks ago. We're going to get to that in, in the dessert. But based on the fire marshal estimates of the people who attended the rally, what percentage of the 1 million people who requested tickets attended the Tulsa rally? Again, based on the fire marshal estimates of who attended the Trump rally, what percentage of the 1 million people who allegedly requested tickets attended the Tulsa rally for Donald Trump? And then now we have your Polapalooza party. Polapalooza appetizer is coming into your ears right now. So for your appetizer, we are doing Polapalooza. So last week, we had a couple of high-quality polls, and we are going to look into them and what they mean for the 2020 election. So as Hills has stated in the intro, uh, polling has been really, really good for Joe Biden. During this segment, we're going to look at both national and state polls. But Hills, important question is, for voters and for Democrats, should we be more concerned about the national polls or the state polls? Which polls should Dems be looking at if they want to feel good about Joe Biden? And which polls are going to give us a more accurate representation of where the race is? This is a great question, Josh. Thanks for asking this. <laughs> yeah, it is a good question. <laughs> um, so if you want a really quick and simple answer, I'd say state polls. However, national yeah. polls, they're good because they show the snapshot of the entire country, more or less. Like, they show the general mood of where things are. 
But, you know, national polls, if you have Biden plus 15 in a national poll, it doesn't tell you anything about what's, what, what Wisconsin's going to do other than maybe Biden is up. So uh, if you're really looking for what's going to happen on November 3rd or after absentees are counted, I would go for the state polls. However, if you're looking for the general mood of where things are, national polls are a good indicator. Great, Hills. Thank you for that, because I think that's important that people understand, you know, there's a difference because having someone up, you know, eight points in a uh, in the national poll could be great, but it doesn't really tell us what's going what's going on in these swing states of Wisconsin, Michigan, Arizona, etc. Totally agree. So, so let's take a look at the last eight national polls, okay? So I'm just going to tell you how much Biden is up. Going from the uh, starting from the one that's furthest away, going to most recent. So you have Biden up 12, 14, 8, 9, 4, 8, 12, and 8. Which, you know, the magic number there appears to be 8. So Biden is up on average around 10, 9 to 10 points. I think the one four pointer is an outlier. Uh, the most accurate poll that we have is the New York Times Siena poll, which has Biden up 14 points. He's up 50 to 36. And the New York Times and Siena poll is usually considered to be an A-plus pollster, meaning that they ask, you know, that, that they're considered to be the highest grade poll. They're asking clear questions. They get a, a large range of people. They're an A-plus pollster. And I think it's important to look at these, at least three of the polls. At least three of the polls there have Biden at 50% or or, or higher. And this is a margin that Hillary Clinton never hit. So, Hills, what's the significance of Biden being at 50%, which Hillary was never able to get in any of the national polls? Well, it, it really shows that he's got more support. I mean, whether people like him less, uh, like him more than, than Hillary, um, whether... Uh, you know, the mood of the country is just is just against Trump right now. I mean, getting 50 percent, he's got he's got a majority right now. I mean, that's something that should be should be noted. I mean, if Trump was at 50 percent, we'd be shaking in our boots right now. So yeah. getting 50 is a really high number to get in a national poll. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's half the country that is approving of Biden or at least they approve of him compared to Trump. So there are four big takeaways from these national polls. Uh, the first big takeaway is that Biden's up big. I mean, these are really big numbers. You, you don't usually see a presidential candidate being up double digits at, at this point. I mean, Hillary certainly was not. Um, we are hitting numbers in terms of the discrepancy in, in, in the polls, in the average, that we haven't seen in years. I think uh, Steve Kornacki, love Steve, I think uh, Steve Kornacki was saying that these numbers that Biden's hitting haven't been hit since, like, LBJ, maybe? I mean, it's been a long, long time since a Democrat has been this high up. Um, and I think Trump is at a low point. We always say that Trump bottoms out with support in the 40s, but he's in the 30s in some of these polls. Now, there's lots of time between the election. You know, there's, there's, there's a ton of time. And there are too many variables that could give the election to Trump. But I think Democrats should feel positive about these polls. What do you say, else? Yeah, they definitely should be positive. I mean, again, you say it all the time that polls are a snapshot in time, right? So we can't get cocky. We can't uh, we can't say the election's won. We have to go and vote in November. But right now, this is a really good sign. And one thing that I will make, and I think 
we may or may not get to this, is that along with national and state polls, again, LV versus RV. There's a lot of RV polls right now, which are registered voters. It will tighten up a little bit when you get to likely voters, which are called LV polls. But the likely voter polls are more accurate because they're people who are more likely to vote. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Hills. I think that makes uh, complete sense. Hills, anything else you want to say about national polls before we get into some state polls? No, I love state polls. Let's let's bring them in. <laughs> Hills is a big fan of state polls, guys. Um, so there are uh, six states that are going to end up deciding the election uh, next year. Hills, do you want to give us a rundown of what those six states are? Those six states are Florida, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Arizona, and not last but not least, North Carolina. And these are the six states that are the truest form of battlegrounds in 2020 and honestly uh if the way that these states go it will shape the election because all the other states right now could you could be talking about texas or georgia or iowa i love iowa but you'll be talking about all these states but these these six that i just mentioned florida pennsylvania michigan wisconsin arizona and north carolina will decide the election hands down absolutely and so i think it's really important that when that people look at these polls that most pollsters are going to be polling these six states. You'll have some other states thrown in there, but these six states are going to get most of the polls. So I've compiled all of the polls from these past couple states over the past week, let's say. And there were some new polls that came out uh, this morning as well. These were uh, CNBC polls. And all these polls show a positive trend for Biden. Okay, so let's go through them. So in Michigan, we have three polls recently. And they have Biden up one, Biden up 11, and Biden up five, which in uh, Michigan. So I think people feel pretty good about Michigan. I think the Biden up one is kind of the outlier. I don't think he's up 11, but I think Biden's probably somewhere in that five range. Wouldn't you say else? Yeah, I can't imagine him being up by 11, especially when, like, if we saw 11s across the board, which whatever pollster, or at least around 11, I think that'd be something. But, like, 11 seems pretty high. And that, that is, seems to indicate to me that it's a, a registered voter, an RV poll, which, you know, tend to be better for Democrats because if you sample more people, or there are more registered Democrats. So um, the LVs is when you really get a tighter number. So I think the five is probably indicative of where he is in Michigan. Yeah. Uh, looking at North Carolina next, there have been five polls in North Carolina. They have Biden up two, nine, two, one, and seven. So I think North Carolina, I think it's safe to say Biden is up, but I think it's a very, very close margin. I don't think he's up nine or seven. I think Biden's probably up one. It might be tied. Maybe he's up just over two, but I think North Carolina is very, very close. Yeah, I agree. I think that's 50-50 right now. I think the one or two up, you know, which is essentially tied, um, you know, not not at the end of the day, but right now I think it's I think it's 50-50. Yeah, absolutely. Next year we're going to is Wisconsin. Now, Wisconsin is very, very interesting. There have been full, four polls recently in Wisconsin. They have Biden up eight, Biden up 11, Biden up eight, and there's one poll that has Trump up one. Now, it should be said that this is a Republican poll that that has Trump up one. And the fact that Trump is up one in, in a Republican poll probably tells you where this race is at. I certainly don't think Biden's up big, but 
but I do think Biden's up probably close to what he is in Michigan. I'm going to say four or five points. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, geographically located, it makes a lot of sense. And you make a really good point about that plus one. If Trump is only up one in a Republican poll, yeah, I mean, that means Biden is actually up. Swing that a few points the other way. I don't know if he's up eight or 11, but I think he probably is up similarly to Michigan, um, which is really good because it's the state that Hillary should have visited in 2016. It sure is. All right. Next up, we have Arizona. Uh, There have been two polls out of Arizona. Both have Biden up seven. I'm inclined to think that Biden's not up seven, but I do think he's up pretty significantly in Arizona. I think, you know, Mark Kelly is running a great race. He's a senator who's challenging Martha McSally in Arizona. I think that may be a case where um, Mark Kelly may actually bring Joe Biden up. Usually you have the senator uh, who rides the coattails of the popular president. I think Mark Kelly is actually pumping up Biden a little bit in Arizona. Uh, I, you know, I think he's probably up. I, I'm a little bullish on Arizona, so I'm going to say he's probably up like five points in Arizona. Man, Josh, I want to be bullish on Arizona with you. Do you think, do you think, right? I mean, right now it seems like we'll win Arizona, but do you think, do you think we're going to win Arizona or North Carolina more? Ooh, it's a tough call. Um, I'm going to go Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's crazy because like Democrats haven't won Arizona on a national stage for many decades, probably, you know, since the sixties or something. So like, even then I'm not even sure I would have to go back, but like Arizona's uh, would be a new state that we win. So like the, the common thought is like, go back to the states that you have a track record of winning in and we one in North Carolina as recently as 2008. Demographics change, so. Yeah, they, they certainly do. So we'll we'll see. Next up is Pennsylvania, which is a must-win for Biden. Three polls in Pennsylvania the past week. He's up 10, 6, and 5. Hills, where do you think Biden is in Pennsylvania? Ugh, I, this, is, this pains my heart because we went to school in Pennsylvania. I think he's actually lower. I've seen, I, oh. well, I think he's up by 4. I think he's up. I think he's up. But like, okay. I think he, I think Pennsylvania is going to be tighter than Michigan, Wisconsin, and Arizona in 2020. Wow. Um, unfortunately, I mean, I think the demographics have changed. Governor Wolf, who's the governor of Pennsylvania, has won pretty with pretty big margins in Pennsylvania, so there is a coalition there for sure. But you know, I'm a little worried about Pennsylvania, to be honest with you. Okay. Wow. Well, you heard it here, folks. Hills is not big on Pennsylvania. <laughs> no, Josh, I want to <laughs> sleep on Pennsylvania, please. Please, don't tell them this. (laughs) The last state uh, of the major swing states is Florida. There are three polls in Florida that had Biden up six, nine, and five. This is surprising. Uh, Trump won Florida. You know, Ron DeSantis won won Florida in 2018. But I think Biden is playing better uh, with older voters and with the Hispanic population, especially given how recently Trump came out and said that he does not support the, the, uh, the real president of Venezuela. So that has done nothing to help his campaign. I think Biden's up in Florida. I don't think he's up six or nine. I think he's probably up maybe one or two points. Yeah, let's not sleep on Florida because if we win Florida, I agree with you 100%, Josh. If we win Florida, we win. There's essentially... If we're going to win yeah. Florida, we've definitely won one of these other states, and that's almost all we need in addition to the Hillary, the other states Hillary won, to win the presidency. A couple other states I want to mention. There hasn't been a ton of polling. These aren't considered to be 
swing states, but states to just keep, keep in mind. Poll out of Texas had Biden up one that came out last week. There was a, there was a poll up in Georgia from last week that had Biden up two, and there was a poll in Ohio uh, that had Biden up one. Again, these are states that Biden does not need to win or really compete in. And the fact that he's up is huge. What do you say, Hills? Yeah, I think that's, that's again, an, another really good point because Biden is likely not going to win Texas. He's probably no. not going to win Ohio. And he might come, he might make the Trump team sweat in Georgia. But the more money he plays on the offense, the more money Trump has to spend there and the less time and money he's going to spend in the six states that we just went through. So Absolutely. expand the field, put Trump on defense so you can go on offense in these states. Remember, we only need like two to three of these six states to win. So like, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the math is there. Absolutely. And Hills, just for you, there was a Des Moines register poll, which is a pretty good poll. Uh, they sampled likely voters in Iowa and they had uh, Trump up only one point. So LV in Iowa, Josh. Boy, boy, you made me a happy man this morning. <laughs> All right, let's go through the impact of what these what these polls mean. So Biden is winning in all the states that he needs to win, right? I mean, as Hill said, in these uh, six swing states, Biden's up in all of them. Now, Biden doesn't need all of them, but he's up in the states that he has to win. Biden is also winning in these states that Trump carried in 2016. All these states, right, these are all states that Trump carried. And the fact that Biden is up in them, or at least is competitive in them, is really good. As Hill said, if Biden, if he can get Trump to play defense and have to make trips and spend money in Texas and Georgia and Ohio, that's time that he's not spending in Michigan, in Wisconsin, in Arizona, in Pennsylvania, right? Those that that's really really important. Um, the last the last two things is these are high quality polls, uh, Fox News and the New York Times Siena poll. Those are both considered to be A-plus pollsters. So the fact that Biden is up in these polls is really, really good for him. Uh, and the last thing, just want to reiterate the point that Biden can win the White House without Ohio, without Texas, without Georgia, without Iowa. There's no scenario in Florida. There's no scenario where Trump can win the White House if he doesn't carry those states. Trump must carry Ohio. He must carry Texas. He must carry Georgia. He probably must carry Iowa and Florida as well. And he's either behind or up barely in all of those states. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, the math, that's the way the math adds up. And, you know, if Trump is losing or very is in like a very competitive state of the race come the night of November 3rd and going forward with absentees, that's a bad side for Trump. These are states that like Trump should be winning. It's kind of like Minnesota, right? If, if right. Biden is 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 being super competitive in Minnesota and Virginia and like if the, the winner's not called as super early, that's a bad sign for Biden. Flip side, if if they can't really call Iowa or or, you know, Ohio definitively until late into the night for Trump, that's a bad sign for Trump. Absolutely. Absolutely. Going forward, this is important. This is just going to be a little bit of a downer now. Remember, polls only show a snapshot in time. Okay? These are not, the election is not happening tomorrow, even though we wish it would. The election is many, many, many weeks and months away. So it's only right now. It's only capturing the mood of the country on July 1st. Polls do not vote. 
it's very, very easy to look at these polls and say, oh, Biden's up big. You don't need to go out and vote. Like, you know, if, if, if I can't go vote, it, it's not a big deal. He's up, you know, big in my state. Remember 2016? People thought, oh, Hillary doesn't need my vote. She's going to win anyways. So polls don't vote. And I've been actually very, very uh, impressed with Biden's message. Because during all these polls, he keeps saying the same thing. He says, don't trust the polls. Make a plan to vote. Which is a great message for Biden. It uh, drives home that message to supporters of, look, we're up in the polls now. But this race is going to tighten. It always does. And you have to make a plan to vote. The polls don't vote. You got me laughing there. Because it's true. <laughs> Hello, I am, I am Mr. Siena, New York Times poll, <laughs> here to vote. Uh, sir, that's voter fraud. Sir, you can't <laughs> vote. You're a poll. <laughs> you're a piece of paper. <laughs> anyway, no, you're right. You're right. You know, don't trust the polls. Hillary was up in the summer of 2016. Not by this much, but yeah. Just know that this is where it is, and let's let's bring this home. Absolutely. Got to bring it home. All right. So that was your appetizer, Palooza. Hope you enjoyed the party. And your entree is coming up next. We have a very special entree for you today. Uh, something new for the main course. Josh and I have been sending each other a lot of ads on Twitter, uh, talking about them. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to listen to five ads and then analyze. And we're going to actually have maybe six. Um, and analyze the good and the bad and what these ads potentially, uh, what impact they have on the race. So what we're going to do, we're going to do two ads from the Biden campaign. We're going to do two ads from outside groups that are not the Biden campaign or the Trump campaign. And then we're going to do one from the Trump campaign. And then we're all going to have to take a shower for about a half hour <laughs> afterwards to get it off of us. But these these ads, and I'll, we'll, we'll go through them as we'll talk about how we chose chose them, but I think they're going to be a pretty good uh, roundup of what's going on and what the conversation's about. Josh, are you ready? Oh, I've been ready. <laughs> okay. All right, great. So ad number one is called Unite Us. And so we're going to do the Biden campaign first. It's called Unite Us. And it's this ad is, has the highest number of views on Biden's YouTube page. So here's ad number one. Let's take a listen. I know so many Americans are suffering, suffering loss of a loved one, suffering economic hardship. The country is crying out for leadership, leadership that can unite us, leadership that brings us together. That's what the presidency is, the duty to care, to care for all of us, not just those who vote for us, but all of us. But I promise you this, I won't traffic in fear and division. I won't fan the flames of hate. I'll seek to heal the racial wounds that have long plagued our country, not use them for political gain. I'll do my job and I will take responsibility. I won't blame others. You know, I've said from the outset of this election that we're in the battle for the soul of this nation. What we believe, maybe most importantly, who we want to be, it's all at stake. We stand together, finally as one America, we'll rise stronger than we were before. I'm Joe Biden, and I approve this message. Woo, baby. Woo, baby. There's a reason why that's number one on this YouTube. Uh, so I really, really, obviously, I really, really like this ad. Um, you know, it's got the highest number of views on his YouTube. 
it's very positive. It's a positive ad for Biden. It shows him in a very good light. It's it's full. It's it's him speaking in full, which is a talking point that Republicans have said he doesn't know how to do. It shows empathy. It hits on people being fearful. It demonstrates he can lead. Um, and, you know, it's a really good intro to voters of look. It's a personal. It's a personal ad, right? Of who he is, and it, and it, draw, it draws a lot of good contrast to Trump. Um, the only bad thing I say is that, you know, I think he needs more of these. I think, like, this is a really good ad, but I think he needs more about his biography and, like, why people can trust him. So I think this is a good start. Yeah, I think it's a very good ad. Um, I think the biggest thing is he just talks about how different a president he would be. And I think America wants that. I think this is hitting at those voters who are, like, who Biden's targeting us. Aren't you just tired of all the shenanigans and all the crap that Trump puts on there. Don't you like, here's what a president should do. I will lead. I will take responsibility. I won't, I I love what he said. I won't traffic in fear and division. Um, I think, I think it's a really, really good ad and it tries, it draws a nice stark contrast to what we've been seeing. I think it's especially prudent with the current climate the country's going through. So it's a really good ad for Biden. Uh, Two thumbs way up from uh, TCP. Uh, I have my two thumbs, so we have four thumbs up from TCP. Uh, the highest rating at the three-course politics ratings is four thumbs up. It's true. So, uh, out of the park. Okay. <laughs> All right. Ad number two uh, is called Laughed At, and this is also from the Biden campaign. So let's take a listen. World leaders caught on camera laughing about President Trump. <laughs> Several world leaders mocking President Trump. They're laughing at him. My administration has accomplished more than almost any administration in the history of our country. (laughs) Didn't expect that reaction, but that's okay. World leaders mocking and ridiculing him for being completely off balance. Allies are deeply worried about it. They say he's becoming increasingly isolated. Something is very wrong. The world sees Trump for what he is, insincere, ill-informed, corrupt, dangerously incompetent, and incapable, in my view, of world leadership. And if we give Donald Trump four more years, we'll have a great deal of difficulty if ever being able to recover America's standing in the world and our capacity to bring nations together. Yeah, so that ad I thought was great. I think the best thing it does is two things. I think it talks about Biden's strengths. So the fact that he is respected around the world, he's been there, he's done that, he knows all these world leaders. It also actually uses actual audio from world leaders. And it shows how, you know, it was Justin Trudeau who was saying, I saw his team's jaw drop. Uh, it, It showed Trump, you know, uh, just being bullish and, and, and being just weird in his speech at the UN when everyone laughed at him. And, um, you know, I think it draws a nice contrast again between Biden and Trump. And it really just uses Trump's words and actions and video clips against him, something that Hillary did not have in 2016. Um, you know, what I appreciated most about the video is that you didn't see Biden for the first uh, until the last 20 seconds of the video. You didn't hear him until 30 seconds in. So the first half of that ad is really just looking at Trump being like, what the hell happened? Like, 
What is he doing? Yeah, I, I, Josh, I love this ad. It really shows, it underscores the argument that we've been making the whole time that the Biden campaign should be making, that Trump is not to be trusted and that he's incompetent. And as many times as we say he's not fit for the role, I mean, there are people out in this country who don't follow politics very closely. So like Mueller stuff, they don't understand the nuances there. They don't even think about it. But like these, these are really real life. It confirms reality. We can't trust him to do these things. And I, I think it, it's a really good way to poke fun at what Trump, how incompetent he is by just showing his own words, right? You know, it's showing, it's not showing, it's showing reality. And it also draws on what Biden is really good at. I mean, Biden should really talk up his, he was, he was chair of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee for, until he's got to the vice presidency. He has done a num- numerous diplomatic missions uh, because, you know, working with President Obama, like he, he knows how to do this stuff. So I think this is a real big strength for him that he can really contrast himself with. And I think he did it in this ad, to be very honest with you. I really loved it. Yeah, I think it's great. Yeah, so I give it two thumbs up. What did you give it? I give it two thumbs up. Ooh, Biden campaign is two for two with uh, recourse politics. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, so we did two ads for the Biden campaign, and now we're going to move to the outside groups. And, well, we just chose basically one outside group because they have been doing such great ad work. The Lincoln Project. So the Lincoln Project is a group of Republican strategists who really just hate Trump. They're not necessarily Democrats, but they would rather have Biden in office than Trump any day. So um, they've been putting out a lot of really, really, really good ads, and we had to limit it to just two of them. So this first one is called How a President Leads. Let's, uh, Let's listen. We will never forget them, nor the last time we saw them. They've slipped the surly bonds of earth to touch the face of God. Those who are lost now, their legacy must be our lives. I can hear you, and the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. Amazing grace. I am dispatching thousands and thousands of heavily soldiers we dominate the streets i won't traffic in fear and division i won't fan the flames of hate it's time to pick up our heads remember who we are this is the united states of america this ad gave me the chills (laughs) Every time I watch it, it gives me the chills. It is so good, and I think it's it's good for a number of reasons. I think, first of all, it's super hard-hitting. It just, you know, whether or not you like Reagan, whether or not you like Bush, whether or not you like Clinton and Obama, they're presidential, right? And it just shows how out of character Trump is for the office and how they don't rise to meet the moments and how just small and pathetic he is. And But then again, then at the end of it, it contrasts this presidential attitude, and it fits Biden right in. It, it shows how he inspires empathy and hope. Um, you know, it, it, it sows doubt into those who don't like how Trump handled the coronavirus and the race relations. Like, it just shows how out of place he is from what presidents are supposed to be. Presidents are, are supposed to give you hope. They're supposed to be there to console nations, supposed to rise above the occasion. And then Biden does that, and Trump doesn't. And I just think it really encapsulates that, that so well. 
Yeah, I completely agree. I think when I first saw this ad, I think my jaw actually dropped just how great it was. I love the use of presidents from Reagan to Obama and just showed how regardless of um, you know, your political party, we can all agree that the president should be decent. The president should heal a nation in time of grieving. And, you know, the first image of, of, of Trump is, it's just the, the music switches, there's like a dark tone, and then you see the racial violence and, you know, him using the armed guards. And, you know, I think that's just a great, great ad by the Lincoln Project. I've said to Hills multiple times, and I'll say it on the podcast, the Lincoln Project is doing all the heavy lifting for the Biden campaign. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they have the money and the time and... Um, to make these negative ads against Trump. And, you know, sometimes I, I was reading on Twitter, like how much are these persuading people? But it's, you know, it's really heartening. It's like hardening the anti-Trump support. But also I think it's, again, we've said this on Three Course Politics before. You just have to get the margins of these votes away from Trump. And then yeah. it's a Biden win around the board. And I think that's what they're doing. I, Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, they have another one. And this is the highest viewed ad on their YouTube. And you've probably seen it or heard about it. It's, it's from the Lincoln Project. It's called Morning in America, Morning with a M-O-U. And uh, let's, let's listen to this. There's morning in America. Today, more than 60,000 Americans have died from a deadly virus Donald Trump ignored. With the economy in shambles, more than 26 million Americans are out of work. The worst economy in decades. Trump bailed out Wall Street but not Main Street. This afternoon, millions of Americans will apply for unemployment. And with their savings run out, many are giving up hope. Millions worry that a loved one won't survive COVID-19. There's mourning in America. And under the leadership of Donald Trump, our country is weaker and sicker and poorer. And now, Americans are asking, if we have another four years like this, will there even be an America? Paid for by the Lincoln Project, which is responsible for the content of this advertising. Ooh, Josh, you want to take a first stab at this one? Ooh, yeah, that ad really underscores the devastation and how they put it on Trump. They said Trump ignored this. Trump did this. Uh, you know, I think it's it really calls into question Trump's leadership. My only thing about the ad is that it said 60,000. We're now at 100,000. So they have to like make another one and just keep updating with the coronavirus. I, I think that uh, the coronavirus is something that I think Trump continues to receive very low marks on. And the more that you can do to drive home to people, like Trump didn't act, Trump failed to do this, failed to do that. The more you can do that, the better. And the more likely you are to really hit those voters who, you know, maybe say, well, the economy was good, but I don't like Trump's leadership. I'm questioning that. You show him this ad and it's like, you know, is the economy good? Is he a, is he a good leader? I think it draws into question voters. And again, another really strong ad by the Lincoln Project. He's done a really bad job on coronavirus and he does get low marks. And I think on the flip side, the imagery in the ad just shows out like, blown out factories and towns, people waiting on lines to get food or, or, or a job. This is not the America you're making great, right? It, it goes against Trump's entire argument of making America great, keeping America great, all the 
good things he's done for this country, right? Like all the things that he's he lists as accomplishments, like the reality sets in, and I think it's very clear, and it and it just shows a lot of voters like you're right. Things are not that bad, much better. Yeah, like he's done a really bad job, and he gets really high marks for the economy. A lot of voters in a lot of these polls trust him on the economy. This goes at one of those arguments of like, do you really trust him on this economy? Like, can he really get us out of this? Like, yeah. So I think I mean it just also. It's a great act. Shows the devastation, yeah, that we're facing in this country. So now, unfortunately, we have to go to a Trump campaign ad. We have only we only chose one of them to spare you because I could not listen to these things. Um, it was even I had to go wash my hands multiple times uh, and wash my eyes out after choosing one of these <laughs> these ads. This ad is from the Trump campaign. It's called Responsible, and is one of the highest viewed recent ads on his YouTube. There's a lot of ads on his YouTube that are from like years ago, but here's something that's recent that's pretty high viewed. So let's unfortunately take a listen to this one. Coronavirus infected millions, crushed the world economy. One nation deserves the blame, China. They lied about it, covered it up. Joe Biden coddles China. He criticized President Trump's travel ban, accused him of hysterical xenophobia. He voted for most favored nation status and spent decades letting them steal our jobs. What a beautiful history we wrote together. Joe Biden won't stand up to China. He never has. He never will. I'm Donald J. Trump, and I approve this message. Yuck. 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 Oh, God, I have to, like, wash my ears out now. <laughs> well, here's a couple of things. So it hits Biden on China. You see, you you know, if you watch the ad on YouTube, you'll see imagery of Biden looking like clueless or thoughtless there's like very distinct imagery of biden they use it in all the ads like this is something that they found once and they keep using it and it also shows biden toasting with the the, the head of china the, the you know the chairman of in china because trump gets actually pretty high marks on china as well um, and we'll link a new york times poll to show you recent polling on that he he does get higher marks on quote who would you trust to handle relations with china and currently trump does so this is trying to shore up shore up that that argument that trump is best to handle china and i think we should expect to see more on china since it is technically one of his strengths according to polls um it doesn't do anything about trump's response to coronavirus it, it tries to sh uh, sow doubt about biden's genuine personality his his thought process of like how can we trust him on china if he's already done this stuff they try and make those arguments but i think those arguments will fall flat as more people look into who biden is and what he's done so those are some of the things i took out of this uh yeah i mean look the trump strategy if you can call it that is clearly coronavirus is not our fault it's china's fault and who do you trust on china trump or biden and that's it that's that's you know what uh that ad is about and you know, <laughs> I would love for the Biden campaign to come back with an ad where Trump actually talked about how he believed China and um, and how he, you know, he said he was working with China and and uh, he, he trusts their judgment on, on this. I mean, you know, it's it's something that I think the Biden campaign is going to have to be able to respond to. But I mean, this is their message. Their entire message is it's not Trump's fault. It's China's fault, and and uh, Trump is standing up to China, and Biden won't, and that's it. That's their entire like message. You can call it that. So simple message for potentially sim simple voters, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when when you have a voter base who doesn't question stuff, right? You don't need to make like 
Biden needs to make ads that are thoughtful and meaningful because he knows the Democratic voters have occasionally probably more thought into what they believe. Like this ad is very basic. It's very top level. It's someone who doesn't research anything and just says, okay, they said that. So I guess it's true, right? Yeah. 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 Well, um, sorry you had to listen to that, but we think it's important to listen to what the other side is doing. But because you were really good and you made it to this part, we have a bonus ad for you. It's a bonus. It's a bonus ad. It's from a group called Republican Voters Against Trump, and it's called Trump Gave Up. So let's do one last listen. When it comes to COVID-19, President Trump has given up. The Trump administration is planning to end its funding and support for coronavirus testing. Trump got jealous of Dr. Fauci and Burks and upset by his bad reviews. That might not ever happen. So he canceled the task force briefings altogether. And now cases in the U.S. have risen while Europe's cases have plummeted. So while Trump might be finished dealing with the virus, the virus isn't finished with us. This is what it looks like when a president gives up. So I thought this was, you know, it's a really good one. It's again, on the same coronavirus messaging that we saw in the Lincoln Project, except slightly different. It paints Trump as competent. Um, you know, it's hard to disprove, even if you like Trump, the numbers are there. People have died. And of course, you're going to have people who think this was a conspiracy theory. Like there are people who aren't dead, but like most people are not like that. At least the persuadable voters that we're looking at here in this election, it's hard to disprove that Trump is doing a good job, even if you kind of like who he, what, who he is, right? There's like, it just shows blatantly how screwed up, uh, he made this. So I think it was good. I mean, it's it's right in your face. It's, again, not complicated at all, which I kind of like, too. Um, and I thought it was a pretty good showing from this this new uh, group. Yeah, you know, I think <clears throat> the best thing about that ad is at the end. And if you watch the ad, you'll see there's a tally. And it's Trump, after his Tulsa rally, looking all, like, you know, depressed and dejected. And you see the death toll just keep going up and up and up and up and up until it's, like, 122,000. And, uh, you know, it, it is a simpler message you know, on par for those uh, Trump voters who want something simple. Um, it also paints the difference between him and Fauci and, and Dr. Burks, who usually have gotten great reviews on, on this. And it says that Trump got jealous of them. So again, pinning Trump against the experts. Um, you know, I, I think it was a, a, a very strong ad. I appreciate the Republican voters against Trump. I appreciate their uh, contribution. The more Republican ads that we can get that are against trump i think for the better so that was a nice little bonus ad little bonus well that was that was our ad roundup today i mean we might do this again but these are kind of like the the ads that are the highest viewed and in the in the space and something you may have seen on tv yourself so as we get closer to the election we may do another one with the the ads because they're only going to get more more in the news and more on your tv so it's true yeah these are some of the arguments going around right now and I, I, before we go, I, I would ask everyone to, if you see an ad and something doesn't sit sit right with you, and you're like, I don't know about that, like do a little bit of research. It won't take it won't take very long. But if you know you see something and you're like, I'm, I'm unfamiliar with that, look it up and educate yourself a little bit, and um, that way you can stay better informed and not just trust these ads because lots of ads on both sides like to play a little loose and fast with some of the rules. And if you see something that doesn't seem right, I would encourage you to go. Look it up and you'll find out that uh, Biden is actually not weak on China. In fact, he's been very strong. 
Um, so do a little research. Don't just take the ads for face value. Do your research. <laughs> yeah. Whether or not you like it or not, just do a little research. It'll, it'll make you feel better. Absolutely. And it'll make you more informed, informed voter. Well, we're going to go into our life under lockdown next, and stay tuned. Welcome to your life under lockdown section. For today's question, the question is, what ridiculous force would you create if you were president? Now, there is a show on Netflix called Space Force uh, with Steve Carell and John Malkovich. It's very, very funny. Hills, have you watched any Space Force? I watched uh, a little bit of Space Force. Um, I agree with your your take on it, Josh. Um, do you want to do you want to tell the the listeners what your take on Space Force is? Yes. So I really enjoy Space Force. Uh, episode two had me in tears, joy, and laughter. It was so funny. It it basically takes Trump's Space Force and says, "What if this were a thing?" And it, and uh, you know, people take it really seriously. Like Steve Carell takes his role as like the head of Space Force very seriously. It's very funny. They get into lots of shenanigans. It's, it's really good. So I encourage everyone to go watch Space Force. But the question is, what ridiculous force would you create if you were president? So you're president in 2020. No one saw President Hillsborough coming out of, you know, the weeds and winning. And you walk into the White House and you decide you're going to create a force like Space Force. Hills, what force would you create? Okay, so... <laughs> I have, a, I have a ridiculous answer, and I also have an answer that maybe is less ridiculous. The more ridiculous answer is, like, the underground force, right? Like, I, oh. want, I want there to be, like, you know... Like mole, mole people? people? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like mole <laughs> people. Um, like, underground, like, they travel underground, and we have underground technology, and we can make things underground, and... I don't know, I could actually wow. be pretty, pretty deadly. The groundhog force is essentially what it's... What it's called, you know, and then you have okay. like the the cadets are called um, <laughs> they the general is called Puxatani, uh commander commander <laughs> Puxatani, and the cadets are a little groundhog groundhoggers. Wow, yeah, wow, um, wow. The less ridiculous force would be like again. I think if we're ever gonna like do anything cool, like actually go into space for stuff right? Mm-hmm. We can't use, we currently use like fossil fuels, right? Like we have a rocket, which has like fire right. underneath. And like, I've been watching some Marvel movies lately, but like, we need another, we need like a powering force that's like sustainable and like produce power easily. And like, wow, okay. With, I don't know, we need some sort of like new element force that like can power ships to go faster. And like, does it is not like a fossil fuel because we run out of oil and stuff like that okay anyway okay but um but yeah it would be the the groundhog force wow okay groundhog force all right so my ridiculous force i don't have a serious one i only have a silly one my ridiculous force is the underwater force or the or or, no sorry i'm I'm calling it the deep sea force the deep sea force um and if you work in there then you are an atlantean uh, is you know you have General Atlantis and you oh, have Atlanteans. That's so good. Um, <laughs> because it's like you know the deep sea. It's like we don't know what's there. We don't know if there are still dinosaurs or a Megasaurus or an alternate. You know, we, no one knows. So I can see myself being president and pitching up to the American people, saying, "Guys, we don't know what's down below in the deep surface of the sea. Let's go find out." And uh, that's what we'll do in the deep sea force. So. Uh, mine is the deep sea force. Would the cadets be deep seamen or would they be Atlantean? 
I like Atlanteans, though. I think that's really good. Yeah, I, I think Deep Seaman could uh, be construed or misconstrued in a, in a, in a bad way. So uh, I think we'll do Atlanteans. And, uh, and maybe the general will be uh, uh, King Trident or your, your General Trident. I don't know. It's a work it. in, it's a work, it's, it's, it's a work it. in progress. We're working on the naming. But so anyways, there you the, have it. The Groundhogs and the and the uh, Deep Sea Force are their bitter rivals, especially oh, in the bitter rivals. The old the old college football game. <laughs> you got the Groundhogs against the uh, Atlanteans. I'm not gonna lie, Hills. I think if 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 Atlanteans came up against Groundhogs, I think Atlanteans are gonna win pretty easily. They had those tridents of spears. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Well, maybe one day we'll we'll find out the answer. So there you have it. That was your life under lockdown. Go watch Space Force, and your dessert is coming up next. Welcome to your dessert today, and today we're going to be talking about something we thought was pretty sweet, and not for the reasons. Well, actually, probably for the reasons you think. <laughs> um, Trump's Tulsa rally. It was Trump had a rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Earlier last month in June, it is July today, so almost forgot about that. So Trump had a COVID-filled rally in Tulsa um, a few weekends ago. He said one million plus people requested tickets to this rally, and we know they had that number up. They said one million people are coming. They had an overflow um, venue outside of the 19,000 center, like uh, event center that they had the rally in because they were expecting thousands and thousands of people. And they even said that Trump was going to address the crowd outside in the, in the overflow venue, which he's never done before. So the night comes and uh, there was much, many less than 1 million people. And because we, the answer of the, the helpful answer to the pre-dinner shot is in this, he had much less than 10,000 people uh, in and uh, just a little bit over half uh, showed up. So that means in the 19.9 thousand center uh, arena that he had his rally in, there were many, 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 many empty seats. Not only that, his speech was incoherent. It was very off message. Honestly, I watched it uh, and I had to take a shower afterwards because I couldn't couldn't deal myself with it. But he had some attacks on Biden, but he was going in and out of all the things he was pissed off about that you couldn't actually understand what attacks he was having on Biden. It was so jumpy. It was so it was like the worst campaign rally. It's like the how the textbook how to of not to have a campaign rally, especially in a pandemic. The campaign was mocked. Uh, Trump wasn't happy at all. Underscores how dangerous something like this can be. Six advanced team members, and I think now it's up to eight, tested positive for coronavirus. That means there are people on the ground preparing for this thing. Tested positive while preparing for this thing in Oklahoma. I hope they're all okay, but soon we're going to find out the really true extent of this because right now cases in Oklahoma, I read yesterday, you know, Oklahoma tested like 500 people and almost, I think about 100% of them, almost all of them came back positive with coronavirus. That's really bad. <laughs> that so is bad. really bad. So not only did this rally not fill the center as he wanted, not only was it a big embarrassment, um, not only was it visually understunning, he also didn't even have a campaign message, so it didn't actually make any sense. And 
Not only that, he got he probably got a lot of his supporters sick. And these are the people who are willing to go out to see him in a pandemic. So, Josh, what do you think? Kels, that's there's just a lot to unpack there. I mean, <laughs> not to mention that he had this Tulsa rally the day after Juneteenth. And he had it in Tulsa, which is the site of perhaps the worst or one of the worst attack on African-Americans in U.S. history. And <laughs> it just speaks to his lack of um, caring about anyone. He just cares about himself, as we know. Um, and, you know, it speaks to, like, what is his message? His message is basically now, I'm, I'm great. Look, I can drink hand, I can drink water with one hand and I'll throw the cup. I'm going to tell you in a 12-minute speech about how I can actually go down the, this ramp and how I wasn't wearing the right shoes. And I mean, it's just, I mean, he's, his attack on Biden is about how Biden isn't cognitively all there. Are we sure the president's cognitively all there, Hills? Because I'm not sure. I think that's a, it's a fair question to ask. And I think that brings up a really good point is that this was supposed to be the first rally he's had in, you know, months, right? And this was supposed to show his message for the next four years. And he honestly, and he had a softball question, softball question on Fox News a few weeks after this, but he doesn't have a message for the next four years. He doesn't have, he like doesn't have a coherent, like he has no policy initiatives or anything. And the Biden champ campaign, not that, I mean, we've been saying on three-course politics that Biden needs to have some policy proposals and some reasons to like vote for him. But still, Biden can go after this and like say, this guy doesn't have even a plan to make your lives better in the next four years. He's out of ideas. He's a broken, he's a broken man. Like he doesn't have any sort of policy initiatives for the next four years, except enriching, enriching himself. Yep. Completely agree. Completely agree. I mean, we thought this was so sweet for a dessert because it was like, Honestly, you know, we've had some wins, of course, but, like, this is really the first time that, like, you know, everything Trump does, it's like, oh, well, I don't know, that's not the right way to do it, maybe he shouldn't be doing it that way, and then it always ends up being okay for him, right? Yeah. Like, he just doesn't have bad luck as much as we think he will, and this actually ended up exactly as what everyone was saying about it, so. And, Hills, there's one more thing I want to add. There's a great yeah. uh, video of Trump looking defeated as he gets off of Marine Force One. He's got his ties loose, uh, it's like around his, his neck. He's got jackets unbuttoned. He's got a MAGA hat in one hand. He, he just looks so dejected. And I've never been happier to see someone look so sad than I was when I saw Trump just look absolutely gutted. It's good to see him gutted. You know what? Because he's a bad man. He does bad things. He puts kids in cages. He denies rights for people i mean he splits up families like he, <laughs> he yeah. takes away food stamps from people who really truly need it he, he's trying to take away obamacare from millions of americans because he just filed a brief to the supreme court to take it down i mean like it's okay to see him sad it's, yeah i feel like no, it's, it's great. okay it's great it's great and uh, you know one last thing i want to say is i think you mentioned this hills but Biden should go on the on, on the front about this. He should be aggressive about this. He should be telling his supporters, like, look, this man held this rally and got, you know, hundreds and thousands of people sick. Not too many thousands, but got thousands of people sick. And he doesn't care about you. He doesn't care about you or your health. He doesn't care. All he cares about is he wants a rally. And if he wants a rally and you're going to come, and he should tell people that... <laughs> 
I don't think we mentioned this, but the Trump campaign, when you agreed to come to the rally, you had to sign a, a document saying you would not sue Tulsa or the Trump campaign if you got coronavirus. I mean, <laughs> that's that's the epitome of, the, of this campaign. They, they just want you to come. They don't care if you get sick. And if you get sick, you cannot sue them. I mean, it's yes, just... Yes, it's not our problem, yeah, right? Yeah. It's, it's unreal, and it is very sweet to see him fail at something. After, after getting sick of winning, it's nice to see the winningest president lose. So We're too sick of winning. We want to see some loss. But yeah, I think, <laughs> I think like, yeah, I mean, going forward, you're probably going to see smaller venues, at least mm-hmm. during the pandemic. You might see him change his course. You might see him on message. But again, his message is just fear and anger so like i actually don't think he's got a second term vision because he he doesn't know what a vision is so he won't actually say it during the rally like he'll just say that antifa and democrats and joe biden i mean this is it was the only thing that this was a good display of what trump is trying going to try and use against biden as a talking point and it made the biden campaign it made them uh it gave them a little bit of insight into what they need to prepare for yeah absolutely um, all right. So that was a dessert. It was very sweet. And it's almost as sweet as the answer to your pre-dinner shot. You've patiently waited. And now is time for your answer to the pre-dinner shot question we asked you earlier in the episode. So here's the question again. Based on fire marshal estimates of how many people attended the Trump rally in Tulsa, what percentage of the 1 million people who allegedly requested tickets attended the Tulsa rally? So there were, (laughs) there was estimate about 6,200 people of the 1 million who requested tickets uh, attended the rally, 6,200 people. So out of a million, that is zero point zero zero six two percent again that's not point zero six percent that is point zero zero six percent of people wow attended wow hills yeah i may not be good at math but that's less than one percent isn't it uh yeah that's that's pretty far below one percent i'd say <laughs> oh, yeah. god and you know that just infuriated president trump and i say good for that happening i think there was an like TikTok and K-pop all trolled the president, and I love it. I'm here for it. I want some more of it. Yeah, I mean, like, I know one million people didn't actually request no, I real people to go to the rally. But, like, still, like, even if it was 100,000 or 200,000 people of real Trump supporters, like, 6,200 attending a rally? It's, I mean, in, in a mm. pandemic, I guess, but that's it. Not, not great. Not great. <laughs> All right. Maybe rethink your chances, Trump. Yeah, well, God, wouldn't that be nice if you just, like, dropped out? Um, All right, well, Hales, anything else? No, I think we covered it today. Yeah, before you go, we have a few important messages. The intro and outro music was done by Brett Hillsberg and transition music by Joseph McDade. If you enjoy, please hit the subscribe button on your podcast app. It really helps us out. Tell your friends to listen, and if you can, share this episode on social media. If you have any questions, as always, you can email us at threecoursepolitics at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, everyone, and we'll talk to you later. Bye, everyone. Thank you, everybody. Bye.